Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. Amen. I'm telling you what, the Word of God. Oh, thank you. Our kids, we got to let our kids go. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, any kids that are still left here that you have not been dismissed, you can go now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Woo, see, I'm telling you what, you start preaching and start thinking down the road and you forget what's right in front of you. So thank you. Appreciate that reminder. Well, hey, let's get into this message this morning. It is week number three of our series. We've been calling it Heart for the House. Heart for the House. And really, as we began this series, there was a particular direction that uh, I really had in my heart, and we've been kind of hitting on it. But God, just as we've been diving into it, God has been redirecting some things. And again, there's this constant theme that God has been stirring in my heart in regards to a heart for the house. And if you know God's heart for the house, you know that it has everything to do about generations. It's about generations, meaning it's not just about today, it's about tomorrow. It's about the weeks, the years ahead, because God is all about building his family, multi multiplying his family, and he's doing that through the local church or through his house. But we also said this, that when it comes to our house or the house of God, the house of God ought to be reflective of our own personal house, right? And our personal house ought to be reflective of, of the house of God. Can somebody say amen? Uh, that was a good place to get excited because I said your house, your home, your dwelling place ought to represent and model what the house of God looks like. And when you come into the church, the church ought to be a model of what you're coming from. So it ought, ought not be one of these tr traditions or religious activities we do when we go to the house it ought to be just going from one place like it's going from one, one room to the next right because this is what it's like at my house when you leave this earth it ought not be like we get to heaven and say oh dear god isn't this amazing no it ought to be like you know what this is just like what i've been experiencing on earth i've been living this kind of life with jesus ever since i received him now, obviously, there's some caveats that are a, little, uh, a lot better in heaven. There's no sin. There's no struggle. There's no pain or tears or all that stuff. But nevertheless, we can experience God, amen, he heaven on earth. Praise the Lord. And so we said that everything that God's wanting to do in this earth is, is ought to be a model of what it looks like in heaven. But also the church and our homes, our house and God's house ought to look very similar. 
Amen. But you know, when it comes to the house of God, there are some things, and again, this is just something that has been stirring in my heart just since we were uh, here this morning. We come into the house of God, and God wants to meet us, right? We sang a song, God, I need you. I need you now. And I don't know how many of you in this place right now are dealing with things or going through situations where you're saying, God, I need you now. Well, I got good news for you. He's not withholding himself from you. He's not holding back. He's not resisting you. He's saying, come on. Come on. Now, one of the things that we oftentimes do that ends up resisting God or keeps God at a distance is the words in which we speak. I said the words in which we speak keep God at a distance. How many of you know that God is the healer? He is the healer. He is the miracle worker. Let me just share this with you. If you weren't here last week, my wife kind of briefly touched on it. But again, for the sake of repeating it, it just gives me an opportunity to brag on God. Amen. Well, I, I, we came in last week and we said that, you know, Carson, our son, he broke his arm. If you saw him, he's got a new cast on. Where's he at? Oh, he's in the kids' church. He's got a brand new cast. He's as proud as can be. You know, he's got, got the hard cast on. He's like, look at this thing. And you, can, you, just, you cannot have a conversation without the broken arm story coming up. It's just, it's just it's incredible. But anyways, uh, in regards to our, our son, uh, again, we have not raised our children Remember, I said this is a generational thing as to what our house looks like or the house of God looks like. It ought to be preparing and setting the stages for generations to come. Well, so in our house, we just lift up Jesus. In our house, we believe that he's the same yesterday and today and forever. In our house, we believe that he is a miracle worker. And so uh, I was gone. I was getting some gas for some stuff. I was actually heading out of town and my wife called me. She says, you, you got to get home now. And so we got home, or I rushed home, and Carson had broke his arm. But here's how the story went. He was out in the backyard just playing around, running, fell down, broke his arm. Don't know how still to this day. Don't know how it happened. But when he broke it, he broke it to where the arm was so broken that his arm fell down here. Are you, you seeing what I'm doing? And so when he comes in, he's streaming for mom. Not because he's in pain, but because he sees his arm so disjointed. And he's, Mom! And then finally, Grayson, she runs and finds Mom and says, Carson needs you now. And so she could tell by the way Grayson responded that, I need to go see Carson. So when she goes out to see Carson, she sees his arm swaying and bent down. And just instinctively, she said, something rose up on the inside of me. I grabbed his arm and said, in the name of Jesus. And when she spoke the name of Jesus, she said, the arm snapped, crackled, popped, went back in straight position. And the girls, one of my daughters says, did you hear that? The other daughter says, hallelujah. Now, the one that said hallelujah, she's the one that tends to be a little bit more quiet. But when she saw the miracle working hand of God firsthand, something come up on the inside of her that wasn't saying, holy sh <laughs> Right? That, that's not what we do in our home. That's not what she's used to hear. She didn't let a curse word fly because she was so astonished. No, when she saw the hand of God, she's like, hallelujah. And then my son said, that was freaky. 
I literally felt my arm go. What's my point? There was a generational expectation for the hand of God to move. Amen. Not to say, oh dear God, what are we going to do? No, they called on the name of Jesus because as for our house, we serve the Lord. Why? Because God has a heart for the house. He don't come just to this house. He goes to my house and abides there. Amen. Amen. So that means whatever shows up at my house, it's got to deal with him. Come on, somebody. If I got a bill in the mail, I say, Jesus, you got mail. <laughs> Amen. If there's sickness that shows up, I call on the great physician, Jesus, the healer. Yeah. Amen. Because he's in my house. But oftentimes what ends up happening, I said that our words oftentimes derail us from having an encounter with what we need to receive from Jesus. And it's because we'll look at circumstances or respond based on how we feel. And you have to understand that your words create your world. Your words create or are created by your thinking. And your thinking that produces words creates your reality. So, with that being said, God said, if you'll learn how to talk right, you'll create the world that you want to live in. And you might say, well, that just sounds so good. It's easier said than done. Well, then just keep on saying it until it's done. Amen. I said, just keep on saying it until it's done. Amen. How many of you have ever prayed about things and you've gotten frustrated with God because you didn't see the answer? Yeah. I, I was talking with somebody, you know, again, all of us have spouses and, you know, marital things that were, and, and the one person said, you know, man, I just get frustrated because I'm praying. And it's like, God, I'm just getting kind of angry about some things, you know, and I'm just, I'm believing and I'm not seeing it because of, you know, they need to respond and, Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Well, you realize that what you see can be a byproduct, or I should say the words coming out of your mouth can be a byproduct of what you see. I'm irritated. I'm frustrated. I want to give up. I just don't understand. I want to be mad. I want to be sad. Right? But if you'll release your words, your words will begin to create the environment that you want to see. Let me give you an example just from the personal side. How many of you have ever felt yourself just being depressed or stressed or just going through? Come on. Am I the only one here? I always thought that being depressed was weak. I thought, man, it's weak people that get depressed. You know, they just don't have any power of their mind. You know, I thought they're just wimpy, sissy people. Until I went through some challenges of life and I start feeling some stuff. And I'm like, what is this feeling? It's like, man, I am depressed. And I realized... That was a slippery slope. It didn't happen overnight, but I found myself in a dark place being depressed and overwhelmed and stressed out. And it was a byproduct of what I thought and what I meditated on. And it became my reality. And the feelings came and were associated with it because that's what I gave place to. Well, let me give you an example. The Bible says that you are a speaking spirit. The Bible says that God made you in his image and in his likeness. And the Bible says, now you have dominion. Now go subdue this earth. Go conquer it. And he said, but, he said, the way that I created you was to speak it into existence. And I made you to be just like me. So in other words, you can speak and have what you say. Or you can create the world that you desire by the words in which you say. You might say, well, how is that? Well, let me give you an example. 
Well, first of all, the Bible says this over in Mark eleven twenty three and 24. It says, you can say into the mountain. Anybody ever experienced a mountain before? Come on. It might be the name of your husband or wife. It's mountain so-and-so. <laughs> right? Maybe it's a mountain of debt. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's your teenage kids. It's mountain. <laughs> you know, we all have mountains that we face. But he says, speak to the mountain. Command it to be removed and cast in the sea. And don't doubt in your heart, but believe those things that you say will come to pass. You will have whatever you say. It didn't say talk about the mountain. Why do we get into depression? Because we start talking about the mountain. The mountain's making me feel like. The mountain's making me feel like. The mountain's making me sad. I'm upset. He says, speak to the mountain, not talk about it. Right? All right, so let me give you an example. Just to show you the power of your words and the manner in which God made you. I've used this example multiple times. Many of you have done it with me. But for those of you that are not, have not done it or those watching, I want you to do this exercise with me. All right? I want you to count in your mind from 1 to 20. When I say go, just begin to count. 1, 2, 3, in your mind. And then I'm going to raise my hand. And when I raise my hand, I want you to say out loud with your mouth, praise the Lord, and say it with some enthusiasm, all right? But when you say praise the Lord, keep the count going in in your head. And then just keep on counting. And then I'm going to lift my hand again, and you say praise the Lord. Keep the count going. And I might raise my hand like two or three times, okay? You get it? Keep the count going in your head, 1 to 20. When I raise my hand out loud, you say, praise the Lord. Okay, you ready? On your mark, get set, go. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, stop. When you said with your mouth out loud, what happened to the count in your head? It stopped. You cannot think and talk at the same time. Your words have superseding power. So therefore, if you're down in the dumps, if you're feeling overwhelmed, overcome, it's because you've sat there thinking about the mountain, thinking, dear God, I wish God would do something. And he says, you do something. Talk to it. Come on, somebody. Start talking about my goodness. Start talking about my, my ability to move this mountain. And you say something. And when you say something, you'll stop thinking about something and you'll re, uh, 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 divert your thinking and you'll begin to recreate your environment. Come on, does that help somebody? Amen. Come on. Uh, some of you, you know, man, oh, praise the Lord. This is nothing in my notes. It just, it, <laughs> all for free, praise God. We might have to take a second offering, so just, you know, hold your horses. All right, praise the Lord. Anyways... Uh, have you ever noticed, you know, there are just people that, that they want you to know something's wrong. <laughs> Why do they Randy does that to me all the time. He does, we'll go out to lunch and he'll do that. <laughs> and he said, uh, you got it? No, I'm just, I'm messing with Randy. <laughs> What do they do? They, they, they want you to ask, what's the problem? Well, that way I get to tell you what my problem is. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. I'm saying there is a God-given 
place that we have in Him that we don't want to, again, talk about the mountain, but we talk to it and we don't get somebody to come in agreement with us and say, well, that is a big mountain. I've got to agree with you. No, come on. You want some faith friends that will speak to the mountain with you and say, come on, I'm with you. We're getting through this together. You're not in it by yourself. Oh, come on. Come hell or high water. We're overcomers. We're victorious in Jesus' name and we've got the victory. Amen. Woo, praise the Lord. Is that helping anybody this morning? Amen. All right, praise God. Well, we're going to get into this message sooner or later. Praise the Lord. So I hopefully, hopefully that helps you because, again, we're all facing challenging times. You know, uh, uh, if you'll watch the news, it will get you into a de- depressed state real quick. You know, we have some politicians that say, we're doing you a favor. We're going to lower the gas prices. And you get up to the gas pump. And it's like 409 now. Anybody see it for 409? I just saw it yesterday. Well, 409, you want to start talking about the gas prices, don't you? Oh, dear God, did you see how much? No. I I was driving with my kids, and I'm like, woo! I said, look at that, 409, praise the Lord! (laughs) Glory! (laughs) Well, why? Because I'm glorifying Him. He's more than enough. I said, He's more than enough. Amen. Well, that's a good segue to my message right now. Let me draw your attention. (laughs) Let me draw your attention to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. You know, it's all right to have fun in church, right? Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. It says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Come on. The Bible says that God showed up at his house. Come on. How many of you want God to show up at your house? He said God showed up at his house and he says, "Uh, hello, I am almighty God. Woo, come on somebody. Now, anybody saved in here? You received Jesus. All right, Almighty God lives on the inside of you. So every time you leave this place, every time you go from your house to the marketplace, wherever, when you go back home, Almighty, the I Am, is there. I said the I Am, the Almighty, is there. He's with you. Come on, somebody. The Almighty is here today. But here's the translation of Almighty God. If you don't know it, God has multiple names because he's so big, you can't just give him one name. There's names that describe who he is, and there's what's called the redemptive names of God. And so here what says he's the almighty God, it's actually translated as I am El Shaddai. Woo, come on, somebody. He says, I'm El Shaddai. I'm the all-sufficient one. I'm the one who's more than enough. Come on. When the Almighty shows up, more than enough showed up. When the Almighty shows up, El Shaddai, the one that has the ability to meet all your needs, shows up. It says that he is the all-sufficient one, the the God who is more than enough. One translation is this, the multi-breasted one. What does that mean? It means there's not just one source. He's got multiple sources to take care of you, bless you, uh, just whatever. Come on. He's El Shaddai. Come on, El Shaddai is here today. He's more than enough. He's all sufficient when it comes to your physical health, your mental health, your financial situation, your marriage, your kids. El Shaddai, he says, I am the Almighty One. 
Come on, and if you're a child of God, He lives in your house. He lives in your house. And He's in this house. Amen. You know, I was talking to my kids yesterday. Uh, uh, we just was going for a drive. We went up to Franklin Booth, just kind of hanging out. And we were talking about different things. And we, they were asking some questions about different denominations and things of that nature. And, and I said to him, I said, you know, there's something to be said for our church. I said, you know, it's, it's something that we ought not take for granted. And I said, you know, it's that we believe God is who he says he is. I said, you know, there are a lot of churches that have ideas or know about who God is. I said, but the, the, the awesome thing is, I says, is we get to know him. We don't just get to know about him. We actually know him. Come on, when we, when we have a broken arm, we know him. When we have a broken arm, El Shaddai shows up. Come on. When we have a need, El Shaddai shows up. Amen. Because we don't just know about him, we know him. Praise God. And so again, we have this opportunity to have a relationship with him. Psalms chapter 68 verse 19 says this. Psalm 68, verse 19, it says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. How many of you receive salvation? Come on, raise your hand. Show me. Be proud, man. Are you, if you've received... Now, let me just say it a different way. Now, who has not just received salvation or has received Jesus as Savior? How many of you have made Jesus the Lord of your life? Big difference. All right, he says, if you've received salvation, Jesus is the Lord of your life. He says this, he says, the Lord, he said, he daily loads us up with benefits. Daily, come on. And it didn't just say that he just gives you a little ration here and there. It says that he loads you with benefits. Did you receive your package yet this morning? I said, did you receive your package this morning? Did you wake up and say, man, special delivery? Oh, come on. If you ever watched uh, uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, remember uh, uh, speed, Speedy Delivery? <laughs> Come on. Did you expect or did you receive your benefit, your package this morning? Did you come to church and receive your package this morning? Or did you just come and say, well, I, it's going to be over sooner than later. Come on, did you come and lift up and exalt and magnify Jesus? And he says, if you sow, you shall reap. So that means, man, I've, I've got something coming from God today. Did you get it yet? Did you get a portion of it? Well, he says he loads you up, man. Loads you. Praise God. He loads us up with benefits and blessings. Why? Because he's El Shaddai. I said he's El Shaddai. There are difficult days that are ahead of us. We're living in the last of the last days. And again, if I can sound the alarm and prepare you and get your understanding, Jesus is coming soon. Hard days are ahead of us. Difficult times are coming. But we still serve El Shaddai. So it doesn't matter if the, the world has fallen apart. We still have El Shaddai in the house. Amen. It don't, don't matter whether General Motors benefits package uh, uh, fails. I still have daily benefits that are loaded to me because I have a relationship with El Shaddai. Amen. Come on, it don't matter whether my 40K crashes. I still know El Shaddai. Amen. I'm preaching myself happy this morning. I don't know if it's doing you any good. He's the all-sufficient one. 
Psalms 23, verse 5, it says, You prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Amen. I said, my cup runs over. Why are we talking about this? Because we have a heart for the house. But God has a heart for your house. And if you'll understand his heart for your house, that it also carries over into this house. It's all about the generations to come. The devil is trying to kill this generation so that there is no next generation. But God is all about building the family. He's wanting your kids to know him and have a relationship with him. Listen to what it says over in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 16. Let me read a couple verses to you. Well, you know, when El Shaddai shows up, don't worry, be happy. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> all right. Well, Ephesians, we'll get there, all right. It says this. It says, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might uh, through the Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. Now listen to this. That your pea brain could understand something here. He says, I want you to know it. He says, so that you would be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Did you hear that? He says, I am El Shaddai. I don't want to just give you a portion of me. He says, I don't want you just to experience it when you get to heaven. Some churches will tell you, well, you can't know God that way. He says that we can know the fullness of Him. Come on, somebody. If God will show us another side of his glory throughout eternity, that means that every day when my benefit package shows up and God daily loads me up, that means that I can continue to know and experience the fullness of him. He wants us to experience the fullness. Amen. And then it says this in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Let me say that again. Now, everybody say now. now. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. You can't think big enough, dream, dream big enough, get around big thinkers enough. God says, I'll do bigger and better than you can even begin to imagine. But there was one little word there that just will make it explode on the inside of you. The beginning of verse 20. Did you see what it said? Now. <laughs> Woo! When's it coming, God? Now. Come on. When's my mind getting free from all this depression? Now. When you're going to start working on my mountain, God? Now. Come on. Now. God, the Almighty One, the All-Sufficient One, the One that is more than enough is working right now. Amen. Oh, I'm telling you what, if you just get a little hold of that, just a little taste of that, how good God is and how right now, He's a right now God wanting to do more than you can imagine, it gets you a little excited. Come on, if you knew that every time you came to church, you was going to get a package from God that just was going to light your world up, would you ever miss church again? You would. 
In fact, you start scheduling your vacation during the middle of the week because you're like, dear God, I'm not missing church, baby, because the package and the gift and the benefits. Listen, I'm going to get my goods, and then I'm going to take it on vacation with me, right? He says, I'm right now. But how many of you know that when it comes to life, the junk of life, the challenges of life, oftentimes encourage us, and oftentimes we give way to it to aim a little lower and depending on the circumstance we aim a little bit lower and we aim a little bit lower have you ever found yourself there I, I found myself there and I'd be like God if, if you if you was to tell me that I was not living by faith right now I'd have to call you a liar and God said to me he says oh you're living by faith right now but you're just living by faith to, to survive you're not thriving well how did I get from a place of thriving to surviving I'm still exercising my faith. God's still showing up big, big time, but I'm just surviving. It's because I reduced or I lowered my aim rather than saying, if you're the God that will meet me down here, if you're El Shaddai right here supplying my needs, why not up here? It's just a matter of what I'll let myself believe you for. Amen. So when I say to you, this church is filled I see it because I know what God said. When I say there's a move of God on this church, it's not because I'm trying to hype it up. I know what God said. I know what God told me. He says, don't be moved by what you see because you've learned how to walk by faith and the same faith you use there, use it here. So this church is filled front to back, side to side, multiple services. This is a church that God's using mightily. Come on, signs, wonders, miracles. Why? Because God is moving. He's a now God. Come on, say he's a, God. He's a now God. Amen. What am I saying? Raise your expectations. Raise your expectations. Let's, let's begin to trust God for more. Amen. Let me just share this verse with you. It's found over in John chapter 14, verse 12. He says this. He says, Most assuredly I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that I do will you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father... Verse 13 says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Say it with me. I will do it. So all you got to do is ask. But do you know that the, the theologians have actually translated that scripture into the original text? And this is what it really says. Jesus said, ask whatever you will and I'll do it for you. He said, and in fact, if I don't have it, I'll make it for you. <laughs> come on. Come on. Bursitis, baby, come on. I'm not limited to no bursitis. Come on. If my God is able, he said, if I don't have it, I'm, I'll make you a brand new shoulder. Come on. Well, can I believe it? Well, I just found out that God says I'm the all-sufficient one. Come on. I'm a too-much God. God is not just enough. He is not more than enough. He is a too-much God. <laughs> Come on. I said he's a too-much God. Man, if we ever grab hold of just how, much good, how good God is and how much he wants to do, we would stop singing sad songs. You'd probably have to turn the country radio station off. Dear God, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> Amen. All right. 
this is a little bit different than what I intended on ministering on. But I want to share. There, there's something specific that I wanted to share to bring to your point or bring to your attention. I said that what God has really been birthing in my heart concerning having a heart for the house is that it's generational. If you only knew how good God wants to be, you would push everything to the side. That's something that I found during our 21 days of prayer and fasting. I never experienced it like that before. But I found that as I pressed into God, nothing mattered. The, the thought of food didn't sound good. Watching TV, different things that would have a pull on my flesh. I just stopped having a want to because God became bigger. He became my focus. The enemy has brought about so many distractions in our life. And we try to do it in our own strength. In fact, I believe it's over in Philippians. He says, not in your own strength, he says, but I will give you an energy, a power, and a desire to will and to do of my good pleasure. So in other words, God says, you don't even really have to want to. He says, I'll put my will in you. He says, you really want to. He said, but if you're struggling, just ask me. And I'll put my will in you. I'll energize you. I'll give you the desire. And you'll find that something begins to change. Man, I, I, just, I like going to church. I used to not like going to church because Randy just sang off key and I could never get away from his singing. I just, <laughs> I want to go to church because, man, every time I hear Randy sing, it blesses me now. Woo! Come on. I just love hearing Randy sing because he just, he sings with such passion. Again, I'm picking on Randy. <laughs> God wants you to pursue him now i have randy sitting up here because i'm going to invite him on up come on up here bring your bring your 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 props with you i asked randy randy and he's a hunter and i, I was looking for a, an apple and i couldn't find an apple so i called him early this morning i said hey randy i said you got an apple don't you he said, i got a rapple and so i said well bring the apple so here's what i want you to do uh, that's a nice knife thank you yeah somebody gave that to me yes real special guy but then I gave it, well, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Anyways, if you will, cut open that apple. Not very sharp. It's not very sharp. <laughs> the guy that gave it to me kind of ran it through the mud or something. But what you, if you will, count the apples, or, or excuse me, the seeds in there, if you will. Five. Five. Okay, are you sure? Well, they're halves, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so five. So if you'll Google it, they'll say that within each apple, there's roughly five to eight seeds within each apple. Within each apple, you never know how many... Or excuse me, you can count how many seeds are in each apple if you cut it open. But if you'll take one of these little seeds... You don't know how many apples, slippery little bugger. You don't know how many seeds are in, or excuse me, you don't know how many apples are in the seed. Did you hear what I said? If you'll cut open an apple, you can find out how many seeds are in an apple. But if you'll take a seed, you'll never know how many apples are in that seed because seeds are generational. Amen? Thank you, sir. You can take that back with you. Enjoy that. You can eat that for a snack if you'd like. Don't keep my knife, though. Leave that. In front of <laughs> Come on, can you give him a big hand? 
Thank you, sir. Thank you for your help. So here's what I want to conclude with. I know I'm running long on time. Thank you for being patient with me. When it comes to the house, I said that God has been stirring in my heart generational, and it's really pertained to our kids and to this next generation. I want to encourage you to invest and give and sow into the next generation. For every parent, for every grandchild, they represent that apple. They're a gift that God has given us. Here at this church, our kids are a gift. Your kids, I take pride and I count it an honor and a privilege to call your kids my kids in the sense of I'm their pastor. And I believe that within our children is generations to come. These young men and women that are here in this church, there are calls and gifts and signs and wonders and salvations that are in them because God has called them for such a time as this. I've heard people say it this way, who wants to have children in this hour and in this age that we live in? When you look at or hear somebody say that, you fail to see the greatness of your God. Because God said, be fruitful and multiply. Build me a family. So if God said build a family, He's going to equip you and equip them to protect them for everything that they're going to face because He's called them for such a time as this. And within them is orchards of multiple apples for generations because of what's in them. Amen. Having a heart for the house. I'm asking you, moms and dads and people that attend this church. It's time that we stop treating our younger generation as a byproduct of the church. I've been guilty. I've been guilty of taking attitude and saying, okay, so be it. I don't want to have that attitude because this is the next generation. We need to invest in the next generation. Time, talent, treasure. God needs you to invest in this next generation. So I'm going to be asking you in the days ahead, will you have a heart for the house that will invest in the next generation? You might say, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what it looks like either. But I know that God has called us for such a time as this because He's putting within us a heart for the house. Our house ought to look like His house and His house ought to look like ours. If you don't have a heart for the kids or your kids in this church, then I'll guarantee you, you don't have a heart for them at your house. You can tell me you do all day long, but it parallels. Are you here? It just got real. It got quiet right there. But it's true. We can go through the motions at home and say, well, we're, we're, we're Christian people. Now, I'm talking about raising up the next generation to change this world. Because these young people that are in here, the ones that are in classes right now, God is going to use them. You hide and watch. The quiet ones... 
the sarcastic ones, the rambunctious ones, the big ones, the small ones. God has a call. Why? Because he's got a heart for your house, and he's got a heart for this house. Amen. Can you stand with me? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you that you're asking us right now to change our thinking, to, to prioritize our life, prioritize things, because God, there is a mandate upon this church. There is a mandate upon this county, this greater Flint area. And God, we are not going to grow old and die. No, we're going to raise up next generations to run the race, to, to be the voice, and to stretch forth their hand, and to do signs, wonders, and miracles in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that, Lord, we are changing our thinking, changing our priorities, because we have a heart for the house of God. And so, God, I thank you that you're giving us the desire, the will, and the want to. Because you love us and love our house. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Well, that's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info, or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.